It's February 1st, and welcome back to the Squashcast. I'm your host, Rob Beaumont, joined once again by Jesse Engelbrecht. Hello, Rob. How's it going? I will uh, apologize in advance slightly to everyone with the, the croaky voice. Uh, just getting over a bit of a cold, you know, this uh, drab weather we're having over here. Um, so, yeah, wow, lots to get through. Been a, been a bit of a crazy start to the year. Um, and yeah, so so we were meant to do this uh, cast a week early, but we just ran out of time to do it. But lots to feedback on now. So, Rob, uh, where do you want to kick off? Oh man, we could start anywhere. We could uh, we could start with the Hut K belt match, the best of seven between Goward and Gaultier. How about that? Yeah, the good old fight night, the uh, fifty thousand dollars in one night, while well, shared between the two players, thirty thousand for the winner and twenty thousand for the runner-up. I uh, didn't get a chance to see it. It it looked quite hard to access. I know people were going onto Twitter and talk about where can they stream it. So unfortunately, didn't get to see it. But um, Gawad took the win over Gultier, so a nice little thirty thousand dollar boost to his bank balance at the start of the year. Yeah, and if you didn't manage to find that match, I have found it. With the whole match has been put up on YouTube from from the stream. So um, what I'll do is I'll post that to the Facebook group uh, later today, uh, so that anyone who did miss it can catch out on. I think Goward won it 4-2. Yeah. So um, I wasn't too surprised by that, but uh, that leads us on to the big tournament of January, which is the Tournament of Champions. And yet again, we're amazed by by what we saw with some some fairly big upsets throughout, but some audacious behavior, shall we say, um, at points as well. Yeah, great tournament. You know, as we've talked about before, probably most of the players' favorite tournament on the calendar and you know one that they probably want to hit pretty hard straight after the Christmas period it was interesting obviously uh, mentioning the fight night in Houston and then the final of the TOC was between the two players again you know so whether that had an impact on the final um, quite interesting to see but you know Garwad basically tournament of champion winner you know 3-1 against Gultier really kind of taking on that form you know why he hasn't lost a match since he won the world title I believe He, he won the world title then Qatar Classic might have been something in between and then this one as well so yeah he's really staking his claim and and it wouldn't be surprising if he's world number one pretty soon yeah and um i half expected him to to meet shibagi the current world number one in the final but as we saw in the semi-finals he can't really predict anything in squash these days um let's just head straight to that match and, and start with it because i had to watch the highlights again today um while i was training and you see Goldier go two love up, and then there's the point in the third where PGN and Joey both agreed that there was a, a pickup at 8-7, I believe, to Goldier, and it's called up, and they play a let. Now, if you look at the replay, I agree with PGN and Joey that it was down. Um, did, did you see that one? I did. Yes, on, it's such a, it was a weird one, wasn't it? Because almost the camera angle, I don't know, in in the real cold light of day, the referee just made that gut decision. But, you know, like when we see on video replays of, of football or rugby, the angles of the camera look a bit different. It almost felt like you, when, when they use the cricket example of, of when there's a catch, a low down catch, and whether the player gets their fingers under the ball with the grass there and kind of looked like that. You weren't sure if the racket got under the ball just before that second bounce. So yeah, that, that had quite a bit of a, a swing on, on maybe where the match was going. Yeah, and that really showed a, a, a bit of momentum shift. When you look at the, the replay, it's, it's tough to, to see with the, sort of the frame rate at which it's shown. It, it can be deceiving, but when shown at full pace, it, it, I'm almost certain that it was, it was down and, and certainly shouldn't have been a let, but 
in the in the fairness of the game, I can see why they've given a let. But John Mazzarella's not not a guy to be messed with, so I'm not going to argue too much. Yeah, he was brilliant as always. You know the way he was speaking to the players and calming them down, and and all the emotions going wild. But yeah, um, you know, Greg Gultier's acting ability was was on show there. But he just. He, He's just such a different animal at the moment. Just those chin thrusts and those hip thrusts and that that the Gaelic swinging of the arms after the kind of big points. And he's he's quite a quite a character to watch at the moment. Now, I for one am quite a fan. I, I quite like it. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea in that regard, but he's just different. And I think he played up a little bit more for the New York crowd. I think the the, the American crowd probably really liked that. And yeah, just you know, looked dead and buried in 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 the fourth. You know, literally threw that game away. Um, you know feigning injury can we call it that but but there was something going on you know he did jar his hip his leg his glute we're not quite sure his hamstring and Shabagi just looked just couldn't quite get it like he just the tension like obviously Shabagi was probably trying to play at a high pace and kind of expose that weakness but tactically he kind of he got it wrong and and Greg you know came through in that fifth game you're pretty strong winning at 11-7 in the fifth and you know Muhammad the one looked like he was forcing everything you know tins and loose but almost credit to Greg on one leg. Was he on one leg? But if he was on one leg, the quality of squash he was producing on that one leg was pretty impressive and, and t- almost a tactical masterclass, you can call it. Yeah, and you could really see how rattled Shabagi was through that. The, well, through the fifth, uh, especially, because I think when you see Gautier sort of collapsed on the floor at the end of the fourth, that's game over. You think it's going to be, you know, two all retired. But um, he took... He, took another injury break I believe and kept going and kept fighting and then there's the the key moment in the fifth at about 7-5 and Shabagi puts a couple in the tin mm. and that that settled it and he seems so angry and you see him sort of facing the back wall ignoring Gaultier who is inches away from him saying calm down okay we've still got this but it wasn't enough and then the, the final final shot was astonishing with this backhand volley cross-court nick and you just think how does a man with one leg pull that off weren't you even more impressed by the celebrations though surely that was that was another level of celebrating after that it was brilliant if i have to look at greg gaultier thrusting his groin at the camera again i'm gonna be sick (laughs) oh well you're 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 not one of the fans there might be a whole whole raft of people out there that love that type of stuff but yeah credit to him maybe just that bit of experience coming through and and I don't think uh, Muhammad's going to forget this one too soon and maybe it had an impact on his next tournament. We'll discuss the Motor City Open soon, but uh, Muhammad getting knocked out very early on in in the next tournament straight after that. So whether that has a longer term impact on his um, emotional state will be interesting to see. Just uh, backtracking a little bit, looking uh, at a few other results from the Tournament of Champions. Again, we've got to mention Paul Cole. Um, was that a 13-match unbeaten streak until he lost to James Wilshrop in the quarterfinals? You know, brilliant. Came through qualifying again, beat Chris Simpson first round, beat Ali Farag next round. And I believed he would have beaten James Wilshrop. But, you know, James, James beat him... Th- not convincing, but a 3-1, an 82-minute 3-1 in the quarterfinals. Pretty brutal there. But a massive kind of hats off to Paul Cole. Just kind of come from nowhere and, you know, did uh, did amazing things at the St. George's, the, the, the Click Sergeant Open. Um, and, yeah, just, just brilliant to see someone like that. So it'll be interesting to see once his ranking takes place uh, or once his ranking moves up, which actually should be today, we, we can have a quick look at that, how he's going to kind of seed in the next few tournaments. Yeah, I think if you look at that quarterfinal, it's an 82-minute 3-1. really shows that the game, that game in particular, was played at Paul, Paul Cole's sort of 
retrieval base and James came through it you look at the score lines they're sort of 11 sixes 11 sevens but James came through it with just pure consistency and uh, a total lack of errors throughout so just seeing Paul Coles moved up to number 20 in the world now that's 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 a fantastic position for him to be in and yeah he's really gonna gonna start to cause some upsets with the bigger boys soon yeah, he's right on the edge of. Um, he's going to be seeded in a few tournaments <coughs> coming forward because he he had he had to be qualified for this one. Um, if we go one round previously to James's other opponent, his old adversary Nick Matthew, and uh, this was this was quite a bit of big news that even made BBC Sport website uh, with James overcoming a ten-year losing streak to to his compatriot. Yeah, brilliant from James uh, and, and the British Nationals is coming up soon. So they're the number one and two seed. But yeah, James has been plugging away for so long. But, but Nick Matthew was really gracious on social media and, and was almost complimenting James or almost complimenting James for how well Nick himself has done. You know, you almost likened James on his tail for so long that Nick had to up his game the whole time. And it was like testament to James that, that when he eventually beat Nick and Nick was brilliant on Twitter and the way he kind of comes across so so all credit to him for being you know absolutely gracious with that but you know James uh, 73 minute match with Nick then an 82 minute match with Paul Cole and then comes up against Gawad in the semi-finals you know he could only well, I say only but it was a 42 minute three love but you know Gawad always looked like he had a cushion of points was always always ahead um, and yeah I just think he was exposing James's physicality at that point not even that you know as we know Gawad's racket work and, and, and the form he's in is amazing at the moment so you know impressive from James there and then you know Garway almost picking the pieces up a little bit in the semi-finals to be relatively fresh for the finals yeah and it always seems like Garway wants to wants to take it a bit more tough in the earlier rounds and then somehow makes it easier as he comes up against stronger opponents you see he had a, a 3-2 against Campilli and a 3-1 against Simon Rosner and that game against Rosner was probably the best game in the quarterfinals in my opinion with some outrageous rallies and, and Rosner you know fake and um, trying to hit Goward with the racket as uh, you know, as a joke, joking frustration um, throughout. Yeah, it is. It's interesting to see how um, Goward goes to these tournaments. You know, three-one first round, three-two eleven-nine the fifth second round, a tough three-one against Rosner after that, and then kind of got easier. It's kind of a strange one. Just looking a bit more detail into the final now. My my thoughts on it. You know, I think Greg had a, a great strong start, but he looked fatigued in his movement and his face towards the end of the first game you know say he had a strong start considering that he almost didn't finish the match in the semi-final you know he looked really strong at the beginning but you could almost see he was yeah the fatigue would probably be the, be the best word to describe it and he felt like felt like he was hanging on more than anything and I think he did well to stay within touching distance you know that that's how I saw that that early part happening but you know it, it was one all and ten all you know at one point um great rally at that point that that um, Gawad won and that really hurt Gaultier you know Greg was almost stumbling in the last three or four points and you know but just I think because Greg had held on for so long that was like the breaking point and then from there you know I think it, it, it just it just went one way from that um, you know Gawad was was just the balance on his shots and, and the angles like he's he's got such a good kind of combination between straight and then he whips in these wicked angles and that was, was really hurting Greg he's almost lulling Greg into a certain pace and style and then he's just whipping angles all over the place which which was really interesting to kind of see yeah, and I think you're absolutely right that that 10-all uh, in the third game, 
I don't know how many shots are in the rally, but I don't think I've ever played a, a rally with that many. You played a match that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never played a match that long. Um, and Gaudier throwing that rack away and gritting his teeth in, in absolute frustration and Gawad collapsed against the sidewall um, just really shows how much it means to both of them uh, to, to win such an event. Yeah, what I like at the end, there was like a great hug and appreciation from Greg. You know, he, re- he almost looked kind of happy for, for Garwad. And I think Greg realized that was probably the best he could have done at that point, considering a semi-final and considering how well he played in the semi and the quality of the squash in the final. And he, he just probably realized he lost to a better guy, but but hung in there for so long that he that he almost gave himself you know, a chance to win a, a big event like that. So, you know, a great rivalry is starting to kind of develop and, and we'll definitely be kind of keeping an eye on those two in the next kind of uh, few weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing I, I am hoping for in sort of the next few tournaments is to see if uh, Goward can can overcome Shabagi as well because I don't think we've seen them play in a semi-final or, or a final. Um, so we'll, we'll move over to the, the ladies' side of the draw and um, you're going to talk about the final now. Yeah, um, we, we're trying to fit a lot into the squash car, so excuse us for kind of maybe skipping over a bit. But yeah, I had a, had a good look at the final, um, you know, with Camille Serm beating Laura Massaro, you know, two not seeded players to do that. They took out a lot of Egyptians along the way and, and all credit to them. But in the final itself, um, you know, I think Laura Massaro should have won the first game. And I think that actually probably cost her the whole match. You know, she she did lose a 3 to 11-7 in the fifth, a 73-minute. But she, she, she should have won that first, you know. And just because of how long Laura looked in the second and the third, she completely dominated Camille. And, you know, if Laura had won that first and been as dominant in the second and third, arguably that would have been a 3-0 win to Laura. So she might be kind of regretting not kind of sneaking that first. Yeah, and I got to... To, uh, to meet Laura last week actually and she was saying how um, her game plan was there she she had it set out from the beginning and um, just the tenacity of, of Serm in the, in the first one um, she seemed a little bit frustrated in the fourth and fifth and I think she really wished she had got it done in three yeah, and then, you know, in the fourth, I think Camille Serm really bossed that she just basically was volleying everything, getting onto everything really early and just looked like she had that T-line. And Laura, Laura lost the momentum, you know, losing the fourth 11-3 and, and, and it probably led into the fifth as well where she was 6-2 down before she even responded in the fifth and, and she had probably lost it at that point. You know, Laura did kind of rein it back a little bit, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see the ratio of points she lost at that, you know, from the fourth into the fifth was, was, a, was a massive ratio towards Camille. And, um, yeah, it's, it's back-to-back win World Series titles for Camille Serma as well. So, you know, she, she's really kind of staking her claim. She's seeded five in this tournament, but, you know, she, if, she, if she can keep this form over the next few tournaments, she's really going to start to get right up there and, and, and mix it with the top two players soon. Yeah, and I think that we, we talk a lot about the Egyptian players, um, Shabini and, and Ranim, how they they almost control the, the tour these days. But if you look at Serm and, and Masara, they're, they're very similar builds and not too dissimilar styles. And I, I do personally think that that's going to be the trend for women's squash going forward. I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay with the Egyptians. You're going to get more players coming through based off of this kind of blueprint. Well, yeah, interesting you say that. You look at, at this tournament particularly, you know, Sarah Jane Perry taking out Renim Al-Walili, you know, the two-seed in the quarterfinals. It was, uh, was it a five-set? Yeah, 11-5 in the fifth. 56-minute match, so not, not probably the most grueling lengthwise, but, yeah, really big scalp for Sarah Jane Perry to come through that. And, you know, even the round before, she beat Amanda Sobey, the, the local favorite, where Amanda did 
brilliantly last time in the TOC. Did, did she win it? Well, she either won or got to the final. She was, she was really up there in the last one. So, you know, the odds were stacked against Sarah Jane. And, you know, Laura then had to play Sarah in the semifinal. So an all-English battle. And, and I bet Laura was rubbing her hands with that because they, they, I know they trained together and they, they do squads together. So they would have known each other's game well. And Laura being, you know, the senior stateswoman, I think she was she was kind of relishing in that. And then the other semifinal with... Um, Camille Sirm beating Nora Al-Shabini, you know, as you said, Rob, it might be a bit of a changing of the guard and, and it might just spice things up a little bit in the women's game, seeing these kind of odd few results coming in. One more thing to mention, which I think was brilliant, um, equal equal prize money for, for the men and ladies. Um, you know, great to see that and, you know, getting getting on that. And I just think it's just good for the sport if we, if we can have that. And, and we've seen, obviously, tennis has set the trend and, you know, squash doing it. Great kind of presence on social media with it and both parties, men and women, talking positively about it. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the great things about squash is that equal prize money that we, we've had in, in quite a few tournaments over the last couple of years. You see some sports like tennis, as you say, bickering a little bit with Djokovic getting into a bit of trouble um, last year saying, you know, well, we play more matches, but, you know, that's, that's not the case in our sport. So the girls spend as much time on court with as many games and as many rounds as, as the men. So I don't see why there, there should there should ever have been uh, uh, a split in pay. Good points. Uh, yeah, and let's hopefully see some more tournaments taking taking trend. Moving on to the next tournament that, that finished a couple of days ago, the Motor City Open in Detroit. A $70,000 tournament that threw up some really interesting results, I think. Um, if anyone saw the results, wow. Uh, Mohamed El Shabagi, the one seed first round, getting knocked out by Cesar Salazar in less than an hour. You know, massive scalp for the Mexican, you know, easily, easily the biggest win of his career. And then in the bottom half, you know, the, the number two seed, Marwan Al-Shabagi, the brother, you would have thought before the tournament started, you'd be like, oh, great, like a, a Mohammed and Marwan final here. But, um, you know, Marwan getting knocked out second round by the Peruvian Diego Elias, uh, you know, in five. So pretty big match there. And so that just kind of threw the draw completely open. And and the, the Australian, Ryan Kaskelly, came through, number seven seed, um, all the way through and, and, and got the title. And it's the biggest win of Ryan's career, you know, big $70,000 event, nice big trophy, a nice big watch I saw he got there as well, which you'll probably appreciate. Um, and yeah, just 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 great to see. And, and one one I was keeping an eye on was uh, my fellow countryman, Steve Coppinger, got the better of Borca Golan for a second time. You know, he beat him in the TOC first round and then he followed it up by beating him again in, in uh, Motor City, which is no mean feat. You know, mentally, that's quite tough to kind of have back-to-back wins in the first round against the higher seed. Beating him 11-9 in the uh, in the fifth, and then Steve taking out Cesar Zalazar relatively comfortably three love. It was a 19-17 in the third, but you know Steve then progressing to the semis, and at at that point I thought great. Coppinger's got this. He could he could actually have a massive kind of title here. But you know Ryan probably not more experienced, but but probably played later rounds more than Steve got got to those semis a bit more and 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 had that breakthrough at Canary Wharf last year. Ryan Kaskelly, so probably just had his experience, tournament experience, showing there to to take out the South African in the semi final. Looking just slightly at the lower half as well, um, third seed Ali Farag coming through relatively comfortably first and second round, um, beating Miguel Rodriguez. You know, Miguel won his first round match when Zahid Mohammed retired. So that's quite interesting to see how that would have panned out. And then Ali Farag with a battle against Diego Elias in the semifinals. 
11-7 in the fifth, um, Ali coming through. And maybe that had a bit of a bearing when it got to the final. You know, maybe he just had the edge taken off him a bit. Ryan maybe came through slightly fresher. Um, and yeah, Ryan taking it. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is one of the tournaments that's not on, on Squash TV. So we weren't able to watch it. And there are no, there are no highlights either. But um, hopefully it'll be one of those ones that can, can push forward because sometimes a lot of these tournaments get very last-minute TV rights deals. Yeah, hopefully so. And with, with the game growing as it is and, and PSA Squash TV making themselves more accessible, hopefully we'll see more of this uh, on TV soon. And Again, probably just, just going back to Ryan Kaskilly, his quarterfinal match uh, against Omar Mossad, really convincing three love. You know, 11-8, 11-6, 11-6. Very impressive because, um, yeah, again... Thinking back, I, I tipped Omar to do some big things this year, but he hasn't really kind of done anything. So it sounds a bit harsh, that. But, you know, more credit to Ryan probably stepping up and, and being super clinical on that one. Yeah, and as soon as you see somebody like Mohamed El Shabagi get knocked out, you're, you're thinking before the tournament you're expecting him to win, but as soon as he's out, you have to look down the seedings and go two, three, four, and, and go through all of these. And to get to the seventh seed, Ryan Kaskelly, to, to win it is, uh, is pretty astonishing. So... Starting uh, February 2nd is uh, the Swedish Open, so the main draw starts. The qualifying started uh, yesterday on the 31st. And uh, in this tournament, we've got Gower, who's the reigning champion um, at the top of the seed. And right at the bottom is his, uh, his best mate, Greg Gaultier. <laughs> yeah, um, again, let's let's see a Gower and Greg kind of battle third one in 2017, by the looks of it, if you could take the Houston, the TOC, and, and this one. It'd be, be interesting to see how they get on. But yeah, um, you know, a few names missing from there. You know, notably both Shabaggies. Obviously, they're just playing in Detroit. Um, but yeah, you know, Garwad, Gultier, one, two seeds. You've got then um, Simon Rosner in the bottom half as the four seed, and Matthew Castagnier is the third seed in the top half. Be interesting to see how Matthew Castagnier goes because he's been injured, I believe. Um, he's coming back. But yeah, he, he probably needs some, some seriously big results here to kind of protect his current world ranking. Um, he comes across Miguel Rodriguez in the second round if it goes to seeding, so that that will be interesting to see. And also you've got Daryl Selby in the lower half who's looks like he's hit some serious form of late, you know, really relaxed and, and, and really confident in his play. So um, I'm lucky enough to have played in this tournament myself, and it, it's, it's a fantastic place, a fantastic venue. The organization is out of this world. Um, it's a great little student town in the middle of Linshopin, which uh, I can't talk highly enough about this. And Squash TV do a real good job of, of, of putting this on. So I'll be watching this one with keen interest. So with the Sweden Open finishing on Sunday the 5th, uh, the only real big thing coming up in February after that is the British Nationals. Um, it's towards the end of February. Um, top seeds, Nick and, Nick and James, and Laura and Alison in the ladies. Um, I don't think that there should be too many surprises, but we'll, we'll pay attention. Um, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, all our podcasts are available through YouTube, SoundCloud, and obviously iTunes. And uh, we will do our best to be a bit more prompt next time with the next episode. But, you know, we're, we're busy. Leave, it, leave us alone. <laughs> okay. See you next time, guys. Thank you very much.